So welcome to episode two, the uh, long, long delayed second episode of the field guide to Canadiana. Uh, your guide to just some Canadian shit we decided it was interesting to talk about. Um, my name is Derek Gaudi, and my uh, fellow Canadian pal co-host is the one and only Matt Ribeiro. Say hi, Matt. Hello. Uh, it's it's good that we don't have to like stick to any kind of publishing schedule with this. Like, there's no one looking to take my hands if we don't release an episode. Right. I mean, we or like we were talking about off mic, we could be the only podcast in the world that has a um, a uh, a month and a half every month and a half uh, release schedule. So that would mean our next episode would be due for November first. There we go. Well, uh, since this is the field guide to Canadiana, we have uh, a a long, uh, storied, and often very dark and tumultuous history to get into. But um, we're going to keep the first few episodes fairly light. And keep keep it kind of nice and frothy for the first couple episodes. Uh-huh. Yeah, because this episode we're not going to be talking about no racism, no genocide. We're going to be talking about bagged milk. This is a topic that honestly seems to get more people angry than any other topic. Like, discuss discussing bagged milk with Americans is basically just talking against a brick wall that just keeps saying, that's stupid, until you eventually just give up. <laughs> if it doesn't piss them off, it at the very least confuses them. But here's the thing about bagged liquids that are meant to be, like, ingested. This is not strictly a Canadian thing. They had these in England. They had these in Israel. But bagged milk somehow is a stereotypically Canadian thing. It also exists in Wisconsin. That's the only place in the entire states that it's a normal thing. Really? Yeah, it's just, I guess they know their dairy. They got a lot of cows going on there. Shouts out to Wisconsin. Shouts out to Wisconsin. So we actually had an informal poll on our, uh, uh, we posted it mostly on our uh, Tumblr page and on our Twitter page. Now, I'm not sure, I don't remember what the uh, Tumblr URL is because I'm a shitty host, but I do remember... <laughs> it's Canadian Field Guide. Oh, awesome. Uh, but I do know what the Twitter handle is, and that's at Field Guide to CDN altogether. And on both these places, we posted a poll pertaining specifically to bagged milk. And uh, we got a few responses. You know, our sample size is uh, comparatively small. It's all of our listeners. Polls. So there's like 15 people. <laughs> You know what? I'm willing to bet that of these 15 people, probably like a third of them actually listen to the show. <laughs> we got and the we other two thirds like... are just buddies of ours. Because I know one of them is Steph. Yeah, my girlfriend Steph. So, well, we got like uh, we got like 50 listens for our first episode between Mixcloud and uh, and the WordPress. So it's not too bad. That's, that's actually kind of respectable for a very, very, very small time show like ours. Yeah. Anyway, we're very niche. Welcome to the niche corner. Oh, hell yes. So uh, we got a grand total of 15 responses. And uh, we asked a couple of questions, the first of which was, to Canadians, to our Canadian listeners, what kind of milk storage have you used the most in the past? And they could pick multiples. It didn't have to be just bags. That could be other things. Uh, Glass bottles and plastic jugs got big old donuts, just delayed big old goose eggs, which is weird because... I know that plastic jugs are a thing. Yeah, but uh, they're around. Plastic jugs kind of 
went the far they they, they kind of got put out to pasteurize if you if you know what i mean oh christ <laughs> uh, how long have you been sitting on that one man i literally just came up with it as i was saying putting out to pasture oh congratulations <laughs> yeah that was it was a really off the cuff kind of thing i wish i would yeah, have thought and- of a second pun to go there <laughs> that would have been even better um uh, but no uh they kind of like plastic jugs kind of went away in Canada when the imperial system switched over. We'll get into more of that later, but I feel like cartons would have been the the larger replacement, right? Yeah, well, cartons actually came up with three responses. So 20% of the respondents have used cartons, milk cartons, often. And I'm really surprised that glass bottles brought up a zero because that's what I stereotypically imagine Americans do. I- they got the gla- they got the glass bottles. It's that Flintstones shit where they set out the bottles for the milkman. Uh, and somehow that's sort of seared into my mind that that's an American thing. Oh, uh, that, that reminds me. Uh, leaving out the bottles for the milkman, uh, just the idea of uh, you could recycle your old plastic jugs, right? You could bring them to the store. There'd be like some kind of deposit. Like that was a thing that they used to have along with the glass bottles. At one point? Yeah. But people would use the plastic jugs to store things like gasoline and then try to return them. Oh, God. Right? And, like, so now, like, uh, even when they still have the the plastic bottle collection, like, places where they do still have plastic bottles, um, apparently Max, the the convenience store chain, still sells bottles. Yep. Because uh, their predecessor, a company that they absorbed, were one of the few places that kept it going just because their loyal customer base stuck to it. So, Max, you can still get the jugs. And they still do the plastic return, but they just, you know, send them off to be destroyed and recycled. Instead of actually uh, reusing them to fill with milk. Uh, Max, for uh, for uh, Quebecois listeners, those are Cush Talls in the rest of Canada. There we go. I'm glad we have um, you to, uh, to to provide the Quebec translation for my Ontarioisms. Well, you know, uh, maybe we'll do an episode on, on uh, Franco-Ontarians because I am a Franco-Ontarian. Oh, man. But I'm also, also an Anglo-Quebecer, yeah, I, which is weird. I had to, um, I, I had to explain the fact that like a lot of companies will have Quebec branches with completely different names and just never change them just because of how strongly that the, the countryman's loyalty will run there. Mm. But here's the thing with this poll. 100% of people said bags was the majority form of milk containment to use. Apparently no Westerners as, as, uh, as, like responded to the poll. Well, actually, uh, if we look at the numbers here, uh, I believe 80% of the respondents who were Canadian were from the great province of Ontario. Ugh, Ontario bias strikes again. <laughs> then 13.3% from Quebec, which I think that just means me and Steph. <laughs> and then we had one voter from New Brunswick, and I have no idea who it is. Ugh, just all over the place. But yeah, we didn't really get the West Coast sample in there. Cause no, the... West Coast, uh, no West Coast voices in this one. West Coasters... Hit us up on Twitter or Tumblr. Tell us what's up. Yeah, we got to get... Uh, I know that they don't have beg milk there because every time beg milk comes up on Tumblr and I reblog something about it, uh, my friend Stephanie, uh, not your girlfriend Stephanie, lives on the West Coast. Uh, different Stephanie. Different Steph. Uh, and we'll always point out, no, we don't really have this in BC. And it's not in BC, Alberta, Saskatchewan, or Manitoba, apparently, uh, according to a uh, a CBC article and a Toronto Star article that I was citing for my, my various points of research that I did for this. Awesome. Matt coming to the table ready. I like it. Um, so, yeah, it turns out the two solitudes is actually not like the Francos and the Anglos. It's actually people who use bags and people who use like uh, jugs. That's going to be the that's, that's going to be the basis for Western separation when it eventually happens. <laughs> 
And uh, not to to be as inclusion as inclusionary as uh, as possible, we actually had also in this poll uh, a question for the Americans. It wasn't so much a question, but it was us asking them if they had any questions about bag milk or if they have any opinions on bag milk. Now this is entirely anonymous, and I'm going to read them. There's only five of them, so that leads me to believe that two thirds of the people who answered this poll were Canadian, whereas uh, f- uh, one third of the poll were the rest of the world. Yeah. So, here we go. One, it sounds cool. I like water pouches, so I assume it's the same concept. Kind of. Kind of. More or less. I like, know- water pouches are water, water pouches are generally a tougher plastic. Right. And can be, like, you know, put into a backpack where, like, if you try to put a bag of milk loose into a backpack, it would immediately break. Here's the thing. A, a milk bag can take a bit of, like, it can take a little beating, like, inside its, like, its little shell that has to be in when you pour it. But it's it's still like a little thing of plastic. It's kind of fragile. Yeah. The big thing is uh, like when you when you buy bag milk in stores, it always comes in like a cumulative four liter bag uh, uh, with three bags with one and a third liters in them. Yeah, it comes one bag with three bags inside. Yeah, and like you always have to check inside the larger bag to see if any of them have started leaking. Right. Because that is a thing that happens so frequently, and really, it's just a mess. It's a mess, and you're wasting milk if it happens. But Derek and Matt, why the hell would you put your milk in a thing that's so leaky and uh, can't uh, and uh, it's so easy like to put holes in? We'll get to that. We'll we'll get to that. Keep we'll keep going with this poll though. All right. Okay. Two. I don't believe that bagged milk exists, and I think Matt and Derek are part of a vast prank on Americans trying to put forth the idea of bagged milk. Okay, I'm going to go to the grocery store tomorrow because I have to go tomorrow anyway to buy some bananas for my lunch. Right. And I'm just going to go take selfies with the bagged milk. You know what? I got some time tomorrow. I could do that too. Yeah, we're going to take some selfies with the bagged milk. And since the I never repost these episodes until like three days after we record them, we'll have those ready to go for when the episode uh, is awesome. up. And I'm like 99% sure I know who that is, but... <laughs> three... When I was young and foolish, I found the idea of bagged milk disturbing, but as I have grown, I've hopefully become more open-minded, and I don't want to cast aspersions on unfamiliar concepts as I once did. That said, I still don't understand the logic behind it. Why store and sell milk, or any liquid for that matter, in bags? Are there advantages beyond just this is the way things are done? The long, the short story, the short answer that before we get to our long answer is price. That's it. Yeah, it's and yeah, that's basically it. It's it's a uh, price of it's materials and it's all sorts of shit. We'll get to it. Yeah, the price of materials for uh, for a bag is much less than it is for a jug. Four, is leaking a common problem with bagged milk? Yes. Yeah, uh, only at point of purchase. Once you have it in your home, not likely. Yeah, I mean it's in your fridge. I mean unless your fridge is on like a balancing plate or you live somewhere that's you know prone to seismic events i think you're good and even then if you're if you're somewhere in canada that's prone to seismic events you're likely on the west coast which doesn't have baked milk that's true that's probably why they don't have it that's it right there we solved it and finally five how do you store it i know you usually have pitcher things to hold it in but do you keep the milk in the bag in the pitcher or pour it into the pitcher does the pitcher have a lid uh how do you keep it from going bad so to answer these questions uh in bags in a fridge, uh, we don't pour it into the pitcher. You just put the bag into the pitcher. The pitcher does not have a lid, and you keep it by uh, from going bad by not opening the other bags. Yes, because like if you could usually go through that amount of milk in a pretty short amount of time, especially if you're a large household. Yeah. Um, 
I know that when I was uh, when I was a student, I had to stop buying bagged milk because I wasn't drinking it fast enough. I I would only ever buy I would only ever buy the one liter cartons, which is like slightly less, but like a carton closes, which is helpful. Yeah, I'm a shitty Canadian because I've transitioned from like bags when I was in Sajep to like to cartons pretty much ever since. So I mean, I don't even drink uh, drink milk anymore. I only drink almond milk. <laughs> well, I still I still drink the milk, but I usually oh man, I usually use it to like make other things it's more like i'm not gonna pour a glass of milk and drink it unless i've got cookies it's mostly for cooking yeah 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 if i was ever cooking anything like cheese based that i needed actual milk for i'd go get actual milk almond milk would be kind of gross for that yeah i need some of that milk for that craft dinner shit yeah yeah boy <laughs> uh craft dinner is actually good with almond milk i can tell you that oh really yes quick a side quick maybe semi-gross a side about craft dinner uh, once when I was in high school, I was making lunch for myself, and I started making crab dinner without, well, foolishly without checking b- uh, beforehand if there was milk, and uh, I and there was not quite enough butter, and I was like, oh fuck, I got these fucking noodles, and I, in a pinch, in um, a, a fit of ingeniousness that can only happen when you're 14 years old, I put a dollop of vanilla ice cream in there. And not as bad as you might think. It's like if someone put a little bit of a vanilla extract in a bowl of craft dinner. I think the uh, the overpowering like nuclear energy of that <laughs> uh, like of the iridescent cheese that you get with craft dinner <laughs> just overpowers absolutely anything else you put in it. Because I once made craft dinner with chocolate milk. Holy shit! And noticed no difference. Damn. Other than in color, it looked real gross. Some crazy culinary shit going down. So that's all the things that we got in the poll. Please pass the milk, please. Please pass the milk, please. Please pass the milk, please. So let's get down to the nitty gritty of it. Let's get down to the history, the cultural and industrial history of bag milk in Canada. Now, Matt, I understand you have some shit prepared. Yeah, I have a lot of stuff prepared, but I have it in like a really unorganized fashion. So I'm just going to try to go one piece at a time and try not right. to confuse myself. All right, give her. I just wanted to start real quick with just talking about the dairy industry in Canada, because the dairy industry in Canada is a very, very powerful lobby. So it it can inform its own uh, it can inform its own industrial processes in such a way that entire industries formed around the ability to make bagged milk and to understand that that to make milk in bags rather than in jugs. Like they their their secondary suppliers, the plastics industry, were entirely bent to their whims. It's actually kind of wild. Yeah, I understand. Whoa, yeah. I didn't even think of the secondary industry. Of, yeah, like, so... Just the people pr- providing the shit to make the bags or the cartons or whatever. The, 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 way, the easiest way to understand the dairy industry in Canada is that it has a very powerful lobby that has, one, allowed them to routinely get milk put into the Canada Food Guide, even though milk isn't really 100% necessary for anyone's dietary concerns, especially because a large segment of the population is lactose intolerant because we have a large section of immigrants from countries with high lactose intolerance. Yeah, and to just uh, to, to the end of the Canadian dairy industry lobby is a thing, I mean, watch Canadian television for more than two hours. You are bound to see an ad for Canadian cheese, Canadian uh, milk, uh, the Canadian farmlands, something. You're going to be absolutely inundated with Canadian advertising about milk. And it's really, really pervasive just how much it comes up. Um, Even though it's like, like milk, milk is undisputably like environment, a very environmentally destructive process, dairy farming. It's pretty, uh, yeah, I would, I would tend to agree. (laughs) 
that's not really in, up for debate. Up for debate would be its health, actual like health benefits, which has been questioned before as to uh, intake of calcium or intake of milk versus how it actually affects your bones. We're not going to get into that because I am not a nutritionist in any stretch of the matter. I am about to go and grill up four sausages at 11 p.m. and then yeah. eat them for lunch tomorrow. Um, so don't don't take my word for it on the actual nutrition. Uh, the other part is that uh, dairy in Canada is supply managed. So uh, basically the government fixes a price and an amount for uh, for milk hitting the shelves such that it's prohibitively expensive to enter the dairy industry and they make a lot of milk that ends up just getting thrown out. And dairy farmers that are already have dairy farming licenses and already have the equipment are extremely rich. Well, see basically any large-scale food industry. Well, I mean, uh, in Canada, uh, the dairy supply management is much stronger fixed than anything else. The only thing that was close was the Canadian Wheat Board, which, of course, Harper shut down. So that's not a thing anymore. That's where my guess would have been beef. Yeah, beef uh, Beef is uh, less, much less regulated than milk. Uh, I don't have the specifics because it wasn't part of my research, but uh, milk is like it's almost a singularly powerful entity. Huh. So, getting into it, uh, the biggest reason why we have milk bags is because of the metric system. Yep. That's basically it, right there. The metric system... I mean, system I was, feel uh, like that's kind of anticlimactic, but, I mean, sure, I mean, that makes sense because... Well, okay, so before, before we had the bags, it was mostly cartons, right? Cartons and jugs. Cartons and jugs, which were made... Uh, well, which were already pre-made, not just for milk, but for all sorts of other things in the imperial system, right? Yeah. It was easier to make bags in the metric system. So when we shifted over to the metric system, and I believe it was the 70s? Uh, the uh, official switch was in 1983 for the uh, Ontario retailers switching. Mid-70s was uh, the conversion, yeah. Okay. So once that happened, it was just easier to make a container that could be measured out in the metric system than it was for the imperial system. Yeah, though the wording of the Star article is retrofitting a bag-making machine from a gallon to a liter was a matter of cutting the plastic in a different spot. Resizing a plastic jug meant redesigning the entire production lines. Simplicity in design will save you a lot of money. Yeah, and so most of my uh, my, my, my ballyhooing about the, uh, the various powers of the milk industry were kind of moot because it really was just the imperial system uh, <laughs> uh, being lost. But it was DuPont Chemical was the big... Uh, the big maker of the milk bags, which is also a very, very powerful chemical uh, maker. Oh, here's a good fact. Go. Bags use 75% less plastic than jugs per amount of milk. So, I guess it's more environmentally friendly? It is more environmentally friendly than jugs, but when you're comparing it to cartons, it might not might not quite make it the same. No. Uh, but of course, we shouldn't use as much paper, but then again, we shouldn't use as much petroleum products, so where do you draw the line? Hmm. talk about because there's all kinds of milk milk bag paraphernalia like sort of second level things that you need to use right yeah like there's a whole like little cottage industry of 
just like you know how in souvenir shops there's like knickknacks and shit that you can get. I mean, yeah. there's a whole cottage industry of like specialty bag, like milk bag opening knives. Which like just use a pair of scissors. I mean, yeah, but there's like you know what I'm talking about these little knives that are shaped like crooked fingers. Yeah, I've seen those. That you just. I've seen the the ones I see that are most common are ones that they're like kind of like shaped like a bread tag with a little hook on them. Right. And you can you can slot them into your uh, into your milk bag holder. And then you could just use those to cut it just so you don't have to find scissors every time. Those are very common. And then there's the ubiquitous uh, pitcher. Which um, I, I have, no- like, just thinking about it, doing my research, I have noticed a lot of those are made by DuPont. Really? Yeah. I've seen a lot of those that are just DuPont branded. So they probably make the plastic for the, the, the containers and then make the bags in the same factory. Ah, oh, man. They've, they've really cleaned up on this milk industry. Man, the milk bag racket is where it's at. It's clearly the place to be, and they're they're glad they got in there. Um, they the the milk bag, as made by Dupont, was invented in 1967, so they've been at it for years. Uh, on top of the show, I had mentioned that uh, this was a that milk bags was not strictly a Canadian thing. Uh, Britain and Israel also had them. I'm looking at this Wikipedia page here because yes, there is a Wikipedia page on bagged milk. Uh, apparently, the former Soviet Union, Eastern Bloc, uh, Poland, East Germany, Hungary. Uh, Romania, the former Yugoslavia, Bulgaria. Yeah, and the, then all of the all of the Central Eastern Europe bits all just changed their tune the second the wall fell. Right. Because that basically it was just more convenient to uh, to unite with the rest of Europe on it than it was to try to stick with uh, the way Russian was on it. So it's just a matter of system again. Uh, the uh, the the article from the Star, which is from 2010, so I'm not sure. Uh, how it has progressed since then. I'm uh, just going to read one paragraph from it. Sure. The UK is in the midst of a painful switch to bags, driven by complaints that Britons refuse to recycle jugs. When they first appeared a couple of years ago, the Daily Mail sounded the alarm. End of the milk bottle. Supermarket begins selling milk in a bag. <sighs> it. Hey, let's get made in two seconds. Let's like let's let's go outside the bubble for a little bit because um, one of the MOs of the show was that we wanted to keep this kind of short, and we're already at 20 minutes. This is way too long to be talking about bagged milk. <laughs> it astonishes me, and you had hinted this, uh, hinted this, uh, hinted at this earlier. It astonishes me how much people are like affected by bagged milk if it's not like a thing in their neck of the woods. Yeah, I think people just like. I, well, I say people, but I really mean Americans. Americans <laughs> just kind of like doing that when anything's different from them. I mean, there's a lot of things that are different. Even just in the relatively narrow world of cuisine and food, that is really different. Or sort of uh, like we could record a whole episode about like Canadian alcohol. Oh, yeah, easily. Like we could do a whole episode on like Screech. We could do a whole episode on just. On even, just, just the, even just the n- culture and rituals surrounding alcohol and how different they are, even just because our drinking age is two, two to three years lower than theirs. Yep, Quebec is 18. Uh-huh. Come drink. <laughs> um, but it just astonishes me that it, – because it seems – and maybe this is just me because I'm living here and I've been seeing these since uh, the, the day I was born practically. It seems so innocuous. Yeah, no, it thing. really is. Like the second I got someone being confused about that, I'm like, does it really matter though? I mean it doesn't. Because that, that, that's where we can we can end this episode on where we usually end our episodes or – where we ended our last episode, where we intend to end future episodes. 
uh, on just like what is its impact on Canadian culture? What is its place in the broader cultural conversation? And really, the only place that it is is in the idea of the Canadian difference, where Canadians get really, really excited about things that are minutely different from Americans just because they don't like feeling like the little Americans on the world stage. But I feel like I feel like this is like uh, the opposite of this, right? I feel like this is just a thing that we accept as normal. And it's just, why do you think this is so weird? I feel like it's a thing that we accept as normal until we're on the internet and have to defend our Canadianness to those encroaching Americans and their cultural monolith. I mean, except for the state of Wisconsin, which we agreed was, was cool. Yeah, and I got I to gotta look into that more. I got to see if it's like the whole state or if they're just available there. Like, that's got to be a thing. Because I know Wisconsin's one of the best places below the border to get a good squeaky curd. Right. Because it's hard to get a good curd there, which is why poutine hasn't really caught on as much. Uh, that's a whole other episode. It's a whole other episode. So, so yeah. Yeah, I think it's pretty safe to wrap this one here, I think, eh? We can split the difference on that one. As far as it, where it stands in the cultural conversation, it's both mundane and extraordinary. Uh, yeah, and I get that. <sighs> that's a real, that's, that's a tagline for our country itself. Both mundane and extraordinary. I can really go with that. It sounds like a tagline for the show. Ah, oh, there we go. That's that's the ticket right there. So that's how I'm going to introduce the show on episode three. So <laughs> mundane yet extraordinary. Mundane yet extraordinary. The field guide to mundane yet extraordinary shit. So, uh, Matt, you got anything to plug? Oh, I guess we'll just uh, I'll just plug the basic social medias this week. I'm on Twitter at MattGCN. I'm on Tumblr at Tramampoline. Uh, check out my other podcast. It's about Pokemon. I've recorded more episodes for that one than for this one. <laughs> that one's uh, called Elite Full Restore, available by Googling that phrase. Yeah, if there are any Pokeheads out there, it's a pretty sweet show. I am uh, on Twitter. I'm, I'm technically on Tumblr, but that's going to stay on the, on the down low. I'm not even on Tumblr anymore, really. Yeah, no, it's a bad place. Don't bother. Uh, I am on Twitter, though, which is not a much better place, but it's a better place for me. I'm at, double, uh, I'm at uh, Derek underscore G. Uh, if you're interested in film writing, that's the thing I do. You can go to dimthehouselights.com. That's a website I run with my buddy Juan Barquin. Uh, all sorts of cool stuff there. Uh, I have a portfolio blog at montrealschlockcity.com. And I also have a podcast with my friend Juan Barquin called Stuck in the Middle with You. It's a movie podcast where we watch a movie with a 50% Rotten Tomato score and see how it holds up. It's on a hiatus right now, but uh, the uh, season two is going to start very, very soon. All you got to do is get one to watch Hard Target and we'll be there. And the exciting part about that is that uh, Stuck in the Middle with You has now joined my still unnamed podcast network. Oh, I thought it was officially called the Future Sushi Podcast Network. No, that's just the name I have until I can think of something better and then buy a domain for that something better. All right. Well, yeah, now we are officially proud members of the blank social, uh, the blank uh, podcast network. I really, yeah, it was, I really want to solidify it sooner rather than later. So then I can like use a domain name as the, uh, the submission feed link instead of like future sushi.agris.ferrethosting.com, <laughs> which is like a mouthful and is also liable to change if I ever switch hosts. Right. I got an idea. Why not just call it Matt's cool podcast network? Nice. That's a sweet one right there. <laughs> All right. That's All right, it so for I this week. I'll yeah, I guess I'll do it for episode two. Join us next time, which may or may not be November 1st. Who knows? It's a surprise. Hopefully sooner. Take care, everyone. Bye. Bye.